Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Relax. Remove your bicycle clips. Readjust your chain movement. And join us, Jules and Jim, on Jules and Jim's Joyride. Here it happens right here now. Unvarying monotony of that anodyne polka had me close to slumber is not something you might hear about today's guest, for his music is peppery and piquant, soothing yet feverish, and has awoken feelings in me I long thought dormant. <laughs> That's a very good way of describing Thank you. him. Did you yes, know? He is like David Arnold. Marvellous. Welcome, David. Thank you. you, Also, can I just congratulate you on that introduction? It was the most beautiful and mellifluous words. There was a lot of flowers in there, wasn't it? Floral. It was a floral introduction. I think the fact that anyone takes any time at all to think about introducing me is a great compliment. Well, I think you're right. Have you ever been introduced? I've I've been introduced, but it's usually, you know, a list of films, and um, here he is. Yeah, The Accused is about to enter (laughs) there. But yeah, no, I mean, that was poetic. Took us on a little journey, didn't it? And speaking of that, your journey here has been fraught with traffic. Well, it, it's, fraught, it's certainly fraught with traffic. It was. I mean, I always like driving mainly because I, I suppose I don't really get as much time to drive as I used to. And I'm not a petrol head at all. I do not care about cars. I care not a jot about cars. But I quite like it just for having a bit of headspace. And a lot of the time, I, if I keep the radio off, I'll think of ideas when I'm driving like when I was doing Stargate and I was trying to think of a theme and I was driving on the M1 past Toddington Services and it popped into my head fully formed and I got no idea why that happened. The music kind of turns up completely. So when something comes into my head, I don't hear like a snippet of something. I wonder what that could be. It's usually, it's like fully formed and I can hear the whole thing. And when I play it back, even if it's that little bit, I immediately remember where I was and I can immediately remember everything around it, you know, like the colour of it and the tone of it. And then the hard work, I suppose the craft part, is is getting it out of your head and into the world so it can be played. Um, but the Stargate music. Yes. Did you write that down as the Toddington Symphony? I wrote it. No, it's like most of these things, it's like when you record them, it's like that's all I was thinking about at the time because it was a big deal and I hadn't really done any films well, I'd done one film. I did that Young Americans film. And someone in America heard one of the cues from the Young Americans. There's this big sequence where someone was... It was a funeral, you know, and it was a big kind of like Morricone-esque thing and had choir on it. And it was like properly going for it in a sort of Hollywood score thing. Probably more so than the scene actually really demanded. But I thought I might not ever get a chance to do this again. So I did it. Anyway, so they liked this. Someone in, in America heard it and liked it and um, introduced that piece of music to Roland Emmerich, who was developing Stargate at the time with Mario Casar. 
at Corolco and I was sharing a flat with uh, Danny Cannon who was a director of Young Americans and he was being asked to direct Judge Dredd so we were both from Luton we both grew up in Luton and we had done like lots of little ideas and films together uh, and the Young Americans was the first one that actually got commercially released and it took eight or nine years for that to happen from the point where we met to the point where that came out it was eight or nine years now the journey from there from the nothing to having a film out is in a way the most it's far more interesting than from the point when you get a film out to the next film to the next film because when you have something that does well you know people have more confidence in you yes just because you've had success regardless of the work they just think well this film did well and he was part of it so let's get him to do let's the do next that one. again yeah and also presumably that's a short journey because everybody wants to do that straight away but what you're saying is the journey from somebody from the idea of something when nothing's yeah. happened before when it's, yeah. when it's a brand new idea yeah. to getting it made is quite a big journey yeah yeah and in a way that journey career-wise is not dissimilar to the journey of the humming at toddington services to having it played by a 85 piece orchestra Air Studios a year later you know but I mean certainly the most interesting things that have ever happened to me I think have been the things that I had to do to stay alive from deciding I was going to be a musician to being paid that 10 years I was on agency lists and when you're in an agency you're basically the person that people call when no one wants to do a particular job something is so awful that no one who regularly works there will do it and we get an agency guy in so you got in this van with a bunch of people. And Hang on, who were these? What, I didn't know who musicians. they were. It's like you turn up at an office in Dunstable. I registered myself as available to work. As a musician? As a person who would like do hod carrying. Any, oh, just any work. old work. It's like, I, was, yeah, I like, thought you were talking about there was a bunch of musicians. No, no, no. no. Well, yes, you're talking no. about yes. a van that yeah. you No, it was, no, it was like, film music. I thought you were talking yeah. about film music that nobody else would do. Like this film's yeah. so rubbish. We just get the agency. God, I no, wish. This is, this is even steps down from there. So this is agency just doing anything, right? Uh, yeah, because I think you were on the telly at the time a lot. And I'd be watching you like on a Friday night, I think. And then the next day I know that I would be cleaning out the inside of a cornflakes oven with a J-cloth and a bucket of bleach. But that's uh, probably what you were doing the next day, wasn't yeah, it, yeah. That was my weekend <laughs> job. Yeah. After, after, like after being on the television. Cleaning out a cornflakes oven. Yes. Yeah, it was in Letchworth. They, what, where they a, make cornflakes? Uh, no, this was the place where they manufactured the ovens that would then get shipped to where they made cornflakes and the cornflakes would then be cooked in it. It was like about as big as this room. It was an enormous circular oven uh, yeah. that was welded together and there were lots of sort of grease marks and welding marks and stuff on the inside so I had to climb in through a ladder and I had a bucket of bleach and a J cloth and they said you've got to get rid of any marks that you can see on the inside of this oven before we ship it to Kellogg's who were going to make their cornflakes in it that was like one job but that was like all day and very boring um, I'm just picturing did that inspire you to maybe do a cornflakes overture I never got inspired by anything that I did in that in that regard like at one point I was working in the computer room of a ping pong ball factory and good jobs yeah and also dartboards like sizal dartboards because there are two sorts of manufacturing of dartboards there's sizal which is hairy string and the reason for you have sizal is that when the dart goes in when you pull it out again, it heals itself because it's like little fibres, you know, so you mm. don't get holes in it. It'd be it. quite good to have, a, if we were in a, putting ourselves in a situation at risk, if we were doing some espionage, then we could have jackets like that. Yeah. Um, and if so, your enemies were armed with darts, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think it would be fair against <laughs> bullets. <laughs> oh, so you, you got like in a wall. van and a morning, you didn't know where you were going to turn up? No, you didn't really know what so you were going to be doing. A- I've never felt such a sort of sense of camaraderie than being in the van going up to some of these places. Yeah. They were incredibly friendly and they didn't know me, you know, and, and I'd done all right at school, you know, but I was thinking I'm doing this because next week I'm scoring a student film. So I'm going to do a week of this. And then you know, I lived at my mum and dad's house and then I'm going to go back home and I'm going to write a student film. And then I'd go out and earn a bit more money doing all these other things. I was doing gigs and things as well in pubs and in clubs, but just on a day to day basis, I worked at B&Q, uh, selling carpets, British bakeries. Um, Marks and Spencer's have their own production line at british bakeries so they have their own ingredients and their own stuff which is just better which is why it's always nicer and that was interesting uh, the, the, the ping pong balls i'm interested in yeah because isn't there something what are they made out of they're made of a cellulose because and it they're true? tossed in a kind of um uh odd kind of chemical tiny little pearly things i don't know what they are it's a bit like sand sound delicious but uh but, <laughs> To make them circular. Is it true that the gas that's inside them, if you breathe it in, you slowly rise off the ground? There is a gas that's in it in order to stop them misshaping as they're drying, I think, because they're sort of half-baked, you know, um, and tossed in this drum which coats them in the thing, which gives them a bit of bite on them. So when you're playing with a rubber bat, then you've got some grip on it so you can make it spin. And the golf balls, if you chop those in half, they're full of um, elastic bands, little mm. strings. I, I, yeah. I thought they were like sort of, uh, I was told they were like television screens. They imploded if you sort of tried to. Yeah, if you, if you chopped, if you were in Trafalgar Square nah, and yeah. cut one in half, all the rubber band strings would fl- hurtle down Whitehall. Mm. One of the films that I did with Danny. Um, was we entered it Danny into the, Danny Cannon, who's a, he's a film director. Um, he's from Luton as well. We met at a little art centre in Luton. And Danny used to make films with his dad's camera. His dad, actually, Roy Cannon, was a props man on The Prisoner. He did all the props mm. uh, uh, for The Prisoner. The big ping pong ball. All that stuff, yeah, that was all him. The giant ping pong ball. Yeah, yeah. it was a weather balloon, wasn't it? Mm. And he worked on the Monty Python films and everything. So I went around his house, there were all these pictures up, and it was amazing. So Danny had some sort of knowledge about how film industry worked. But he was 16, 17 at the time, and I think I was 19 or 20. And we used to meet there, and I used to like playing piano or rehearsing. And we used to meet on the stairs and talk about films, and we liked the same things. And he said, I want to be a film director. And I said, Well, I want to be a film composer. He said, Well, let's just do stuff. So for the next sort of three years, we made films together, you know, like the way that you would do anything if you were in a band. You know, you'd like demo around people's houses and practice in garages. Uh, and we'd buy a couple of smoke pellets from Luton Market and set them off in a room like this and have a lamp outside so it looked like Ridley Scott. And you'd make it as much of a film as you could. And I, I didn't have any equipment. Uh, I didn't have anything really because I had one guitar and electric piano, but um, I didn't have any recording equipment. And round the corner from us was a Catholic church in Luton. And the guy who was the organist there, his name was John Rand, had a, a, a four-track reel-to-reel and a, a Yamaha, a DX7, a drumulator and a Jupiter 8 and a reverb unit. So this uh, he had a recording studio as far as I was concerned. And he used to let me go there on a Tuesday night between six and seven when he was having his tea to record whatever music I was writing for Danny's film. So I would have all these bits of papers there. An hour, once a week. Yeah, yeah, he'd let me go in and I would go like track one, play it, play it, play it, track two, find a sound, play it, play it, play it, track three, track four. 
mix it down onto a cassette and then off out and we go back down to the art center and stick it on the film and that was like how we did it for years um one of those films got in 1986 bbc ran a, a bbc young filmmaker of the year competition alan parker was the overall judge uh, and danny's film won the whole thing and alan parker suggested that he met with danny uh, and he said you should go to the national film and television school uh, i applied to go to the national film and television school and didn't get in because i had no formal education in in composition or anything but anyway alan parker was like really friendly and he said you should come over to hollywood and stay with me so I did, and I went. <laughs> I oh, went just over turned there. up at his door. A li- sort of. He had a spare room, uh, and I think his his son uh, Alex and Jake were both into music and everything and film music. And he was really nice to me, and he said, "Why don't you just hang around with Alex?" Uh, and Alex had a job doing some sound in the sound editing department uh, at Paramount, and I went in one day with him. But the amazing thing about it was, the day before, I was in Luton, right. Now I'm looking, I'm at the front of the gates at Paramount Studio going into it. And, and the thing that I really learned from that was that, you know, the idea of doing what you want to do, you can't be thinking about how do I do it? You just have to do something. It took a while for me to realise that. I think if I'd have figured it out earlier, but, but when there are no guidelines, when there's no sort of concrete path to how you do this, and when you look at like film composers all around the world, they've all found an, an odd way into it. Kind of like a bit of Foley work. Well, yeah, it was, yeah. It was I before... love Foley. I've, I've, I've worked quite a few times with Foley artists. What is Foley? It's a set of you, well, on any film, very often you'll have footsteps. That is, oh, that's yes. a simple way. So yes. you'll have footsteps. So someone will walk on gravel, yes, on a little gravel patch in a studio. Yeah. Or I did um, a radio play a couple of years ago about the Hartlepool monkey, and it had to get hung. So they had a noose mm. with a dead weight on it to get the sound of someone, well, a monkey being hung. But also there was a fella who was in who was. Um, a monkey impressionist. So he'd do, do all this stuff. There is a full time monkey impressionist, is there? That, that's yeah. his job, yeah. And yeah. he was in, because this monkey was supposed to be in a cave. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Age, but I didn't have a catch. So the, what I had was um, uh, Tesco's trolley. And he would sit in the trolley 
and rattle it about and make monkey noises. You see, now there's exactly to get into that. What you're saying to get into that job. I mean, there, you know, that, there's no sort of um, careers information at school. Wouldn't have told you how you're going to do that, would they? No, that's you know. So you, yeah, you would come from nowhere to do that. Mm. How do you find out if you're a monkey impressionist? I got given a haunted monkey once. A haunted monkey. Yeah. It was wooden and it was... I thought I think, it meant a real one. No, no, it was wooden, but it had a rope tail. It had a waxed rope tail. I was working on a film in New York and my music editor was of the dark side. You know, he liked dark things. And uh, his house was full of taxidermy, you know, uh, and, and the slightly sinister crows and vultures yeah. and things that mm. looked a bit scary. And we finished this film, which was incredibly difficult, and he FedExed me a wooden monkey, which was it two say two dimensional. It was not a relief three dimensional object. It was a drawing of a monkey on wood that he that someone had cut out. It looked like it was you know old, uh, and they painted it. And the tail was a heavily sort of varnished, like twisted rope, the sort of thing you would have on a cat and nine tails, or the or the yeah. or the handle of a whip. And I opened it. And I immediately felt like this was something, there's something really wrong with this. I wouldn't have it in the house. It's like, it felt so weird. I wouldn't have it in the house. So I let, I, I put it in the accounts office at the studio next to my room at Air Studios. And it sat there uh, and weird things started to happen to things that were around it. You know, like all the machinery like broke. Like it was just the water machine and the calculators and the things that were around. Everything, like as soon as I put it there, everything started breaking down. So it was and the nothing, ghost of a mischievous and, and nothing would work. And it was like really freaking me out. And one day I came in and it was on the floor. It was on got, the floor. Got down there on its own, of its own volition. Everyone denied touching it. And these were like quite older people that you'd think like, they're not going to lie about that. And I thought maybe it's one of the cleaners. And I asked them wasn't them they all denied everything anyway so this thing was on the floor so i put it back up and then the next day i came in and it was split in two and one end was at one end of the shelf and the other end was at the other end of the shelf and so i phoned up this guy and i said like can i send it back to you because i feel like if i burn it if i do something about it then maybe whatever it is is going to you know jump onto me was it a voodoo monkey or? I, I got no idea i didn't even want to find out about it so i phoned up the guy in the end and i said look do you mind uh if i send this back to you because it's a bit you know, a bit like gremlins you know it's like mm. if you if you give it back to the original thing then maybe it will travel and find its home and it will be all right and i I, I mean, when I did, it was in three parts. It had split into kept, three different parts. Every time you parts. turned away, it's sort of another... The next day, it sort of... And everyone was saying... Do you think it, it, was, was, it, was, it was, a, was trying to spore itself into and there lots of different parts, so there'd have been lots of know. it all over? I did try and find some sort of counter uh, measures, and one of the most effective ones was uh, I had a little plastic model of Homer Simpson that if you balanced it on its head, it would stop making it do freaky things for a bit. But then it, I think it worked a way around that. Uh, and then started dividing up into three in order for it to get <laughs> to away. <regroup. laughs> I, do you know those programs you get paranormal shows on yes. TV, which they're always in the same places, like in a prison 
Or a hospital. Yeah. Or an old house. And only, you know, people only have torches underneath their chins. Uh, yeah. Well, I inadvertently watched one. I didn't intend to. It just I was flicking around on TV and I saw it and I thought, these things are all the same. Why don't they have a, maybe a haunted telephone box haunted by someone who maybe died in there after a terrible phone call or, you know, yeah. or a haunted camper van? I do mm. often wonder why the majority of ghosts are like Victorian and Victorian children and that you don't see ghosts of like ants or wasps or anything. You once told me that John Barry handed you his baton. Did I? Yeah, you said that he wanted you to take <laughs> over his crown. Uh, no, that's his complete, completely not true. Did you uh, make that up? I don't even remember ever saying that. If I did, it it, it might have been one of those nights. Yeah. Good. Um, I mean, I think it's best to if we, to stick with it. Go yeah. with it. You know. <laughs> now, one of my favourite nights of the Groucho was with you and Bob, and we drank so much. I remember like going home without saying goodbye, and then I remember getting home, and I'd walked, and I had no idea how I got home. I know I'd gone into every corner shop on the way there and I'd ate a samosa. I'd bought a samosa at every corner shop that was open on the way home that night. And this was like on the other end of Camden up in Belsize Park. So it was like Soho to Camden. It's probably six miles, is it? You know, yeah. five, six a lot, miles. A lot of corner shops. Uphill, That's yeah, a lot of corner shops. A lot of samosas. Well, that was the heady days of the 90s, wasn't yes. it? Yes. But yeah, you told me, you said you and the new John Barry. No, I was, I'll tell you what it was like. People used to say, well, after I did Independence Day and Stargate, everyone said it's the next John Williams. And then when I started doing Bond stuff, it was like, it's the next John Barry. And I haven't been the next anything else for a while. And I don't know when, he, when you're ever you. You know, it's a weird yeah. thing, and it's like yeah. people like sort of telling you that you want to be the next this, that, or the other. But John was my principal introduction to film music when I was sort of seven or eight years old. Was I saw you only live twice at the Luton uh, British Legion children's Christmas party, the most inappropriate film to play for sort of seven year olds, eight year olds. What was it? You only live twice. Oh, it yeah. starts off with well, you've got the capsule in space, the big spaceship eating the little spaceship, which is phenomenal to look at you've got the gun barrel sequence with the title you've got the song with Nancy Sinatra with those strings da, 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 da. and then you have Sean Connery post coitly being machine gunned to death uh, <laughs> and then dumped in the sea and I was thinking this is brilliant uh, and so the music really sort of hit home in a very big way and within a month of that I think I saw that and then we went to Dublin and we saw um, Oliver uh, and then The Jungle Book. Now, those three movies, all hugely stylish, but incredibly different and, and the music, very strong and the, on songs yeah, as well. Yeah, very important music in all of those. Yeah. Great and, atmosphere. And, and that was the thing that made me want to do that, I think. I mean, it took a while to get there, all those years of listening to you know, to music. I mean, my mum and dad's record collection was, was, was largely... My dad had sort of classical music and all the standards, you know, like the great... I suppose crooners in a way he was a singer as well he used to be a boxer and then he turned to singing so it was all like Jack Jones and Matt Monroe uh, and and your mum uh, was a singer as well no my mum was a typist at Electrolux and that's where she met me dad because he was at that point working in the factory anyway so she had like the Beatles 
uh, records and then also she'd have things like Vince Hill and then between them they had lots of songs from uh, records from the musicals you know the great MGM musicals and the South Pacific and West Side Story and Carousel so there was always music constantly music in the house and um, and I think that just gets into your system and I think it's a you know it's an important part of of, of being a human being I think is to have to have music around and here's a message from our sponsors Turn on your lights. From your armchair. Turn on your TV. From your armchair. Turn on your wife. From your armchair. With the new remote control. From bird's eye fish fingers. (laughs) Do you have any other hobbies uh, that uh, engage you? I've often thought about hobbies because it feels like it's something that I should be doing. I often think about things that I sh- that maybe I should be doing that other people do, and I can't get over the pointlessness of it. Looking like, at you, I would say a hobby you might want to try is maybe making chunky jewellery. <laughs> Someone, a friend, a friend of mine asked me if I would go out and play golf with him the other day. Oh, yeah. Ooh. What did and you say? I, well, I said no. I said because I can't see the point of it. Mm. I can't see the point of a lot of things. You know, like so golf. What, what do you not see the point Golf, of I mean, photography, I can understand that it's a nice thing to do, yeah. uh, but I don't want to do that uh, like even going for a walk i mean i know it's that. good for you but i'm thinking like what's the point of going so for a walk? all you do is think of music you end up where you started and you haven't really done anything uh, other than gone for a walk golf and, then is, if you, um, and if you do golf it just ruins a good walk yeah i mean people have asked me to play golf and i've got lots of good friends who really love it they yeah love me golf, too. but it's the time doing it making appointments in advance where you've got to sort of organise yeah. a load of stuff where, and I, you know I've got to get yeah, the equipment wanna, I've got to get the the buggy and, and then the pouch on wheels yes exactly and a, and a, and a, and a manservant to follow me around with yeah, my tray of drinks a caddy yeah but you get you could have the opportunity of a caddy rushing up to you with a contract saying sign here Mr Holland and you can bat it away and say not now I'm busy yeah <laughs> I'd like that bit <laughs> I'd do it if it was like that yeah I feel the same about fishing as well you could literally take a chair and go and sit and look at a river for four hours but and not you? do the fishing mm. bit, and you'd have, and that would be the same experience, wouldn't it? But would you do it, though? That's the thing, I suppose. I, I mean, go I don't... bird watching, but I can't sit in a hide for six hours. Right. I have to be on the move all the time, so I walk about. So then I'm getting the exercise walking about. Do you have That's to disguise yourself, That's because I can't yourself, sit though. still. Do you have to disguise yourself so the birds don't get frightened? I've got a special um, You're as camouflage a bush. suit, which makes me invisible. Mm. Is it mir- your mirrored suit that you wear here mirror, sometimes? Yeah, it's a yeah. stealth suit. Yeah, but I, yeah, I can't sit still. I, I think that's the... one thing. You know, fishing. I can, I can get people who want to do it if you just sit still. But I, yeah. I, I can't do. I that. understand I it. I just don't want to do it. You know, the birds don't feel the heat from chili peppers. Are you sure about yeah, that? Yeah, that's why they would. That's did why they chili you, peppers did, did... are hot. So it it stops mammals from eating them. Because the whole thing is about trying to spread your seed as far as you can, right? So if well, you're if you're a chili, and the seeds are hot, it's so mammals don't eat them because mammals don't travel very far, and so when they poo them out, and the seed comes out with it because it's not digestible, you haven't spread your seed very far. But birds fly a much greater distance, so chilies have developed so birds don't feel the heat from it, so they can eat everything, and then they'll go and poo a chili seed two miles away Mm. that's the reason why flowers develop because before in the cretaceous era it was all you know when you see films about when you see documentaries about dinosaurs and they've got filming of where they lived and it's all just ferns and there aren't any flowers the plants used to rely on their seed being carried by the wind to get them as far away as possible 
when wasps turned up and they would alight on certain things i mean this obviously happened over millions of years but they said hold on we can put our we can, if we can stick our stuff onto a wasp then it can go much further than the wind will take it and that's mm. when they started developing flowers but of course the, uh, and if we move into the modern times not the wasp so much but the bees uh, of course are very much used uh, amongst the intelligence service community for uh, bugging people because you can then send a bee in with a bug just bees up in the corner minding his own business and everybody's you know the the world leaders yeah. are discussing whatever they're discussing the tiny microphone yeah and then he's, then the wasp goes back to its handler and uh, yeah another wasp is a bee right? yeah yeah is it only uh, I think it's the female is it the female or the male wasp is the only one that stings the other one doesn't and do you know that every fig is uh, um, has got some dead wasp in it yeah it's been very useful this programme I have Isn't to it? say yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I certainly hope people have got their notebooks out. <laughs> yes. And on we that did, note... Did we, did we get very far? I'm not sure that we got very far. We've got far enough. <laughs> yeah, quite far enough, thank you. I, I, thought we were, I thought we were going to be talking about driving or travelling or something, and I thought at some point we're going to be talking about the sort of things that you want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> no, we... Shall I tell you my bee joke, my favourite bee joke? Please. Yeah. A bloke goes into a pub and he's having a pint of beer at the bar and there's another guy next to him and... They start talking and uh, he said, oh, what do you do? He goes, oh, I'm a, I'm a beekeeper. He goes, that's amazing. He goes, I'm a beekeeper too. He goes, how many bees have you got? He goes, I've got uh, 20,000. He goes, that's a lot of bees. He says, yeah, no, it's a lot of bees. He goes, where do you keep them? Keep them in a couple of hives. He goes, oh, that's nice. He goes, how many, how many bees have you got? I've got 50,000. He goes, that's a lot of bees. He goes, no, it's, it's a lot of bees. He goes, where do you keep yours? I keep them in one hive. He goes, isn't that a bit cramped? And the bloke goes, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> That's my only B joke. Oh, God, th- thanks, That's Ryan. a good one. It's worth it's it. Very good. It's worth it, yeah. Harry Hill was when asked, he said he kept bees, and they said, is it for the honey? And he said, no, it's for the pelts. <laughs> Have you got a good joke? No, that was it. I'm using Harry Hill's that one. one, yeah. <laughs> B jokes. Yeah, I started listening to... One of the things um, that I started doing whilst we were all locked up was um, listening to podcasts, which, you know, is kind of like a brand new genre now. Um, And some of them are absolutely fascinating. I've been listening to these uh, ones. There's one from America called Stuff You Should Know, which is just two slightly sort of nerdy sciencey guys who do an hour on a specific thing. Uh, and they go right into the minutiae of everything. And the first one I listened to was soap. They did soap, envelopes, wasps. But what you're saying on this podcast that they do go into detail in yes. in, in factual detail about lots of uh, about specific things. It's almost the opposite of this, where we skim <laughs> yeah. across sort of vague imaginings and things and misconceptions and pontificate about things we don't know about at all. So, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, oh, David. You're, you're very welcome. Yes. This is a this is a joyous day out for me. It's uh... it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you chatting about uh, film music, the Haunted Monkey, uh, which sounds like a film in itself. Really, it's one of those ones that would be on Tuesday night, totally yeah. unexpected. Let's get it written. Thank you very much, David Arnold. Well, there goes David. Yeah, on, off on the Thames um, with the, on the James Bond boat, zooming beneath the bridges with his lovely music playing in the background. There he, yeah, there he goes now. 
This podcast was produced and edited by Molly Stewart. Sound engineers were James Stewart and George Latham. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.